morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed epiphany season to everybody this Wednesday, February the 23rd, as the light of Jesus shines on us as we study and pray Psalm 17. We continue to get back to the basics, and in many ways, let our minds settle a little bit and just pray. As we hear David's prayer, as he looks at, seems like he's under attack of his enemies. There are like a lion eager to tear people apart, and they appear to be everywhere. We're going to go, what's going on for David during this time? How does this psalm relate to us? We will dig in, and we will see Christ. So the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us today to be strengthened by God's Word from Psalm 17, we welcome Pastor Aaron Spratt of Faith Lutheran Church in Juneau, Alaska. Pastor Spratt, happy Epiphany, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Uh, It's good to be here. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, Pastor, it's great to have you. It's our first time together, and you are the first guest that I've had on from the state of Alaska. So congratulations. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's quite a distinction <laughs> distinction and an uh, honor. <laughs> it really is. So, Pastor, as we haven't had you on, tell us about yourself, uh, your family, and the work of the saints at Faith of Lutheran. Yeah, Um Pastor Aaron Spratt, Faith Lutheran Church, Juneau, Alaska. I'm also a missionary for Alaska Mission for Christ uh, in Southeast Alaska. So um, married to my my beautiful wife, uh, Amanda, we have uh, five boys. Well, you know, three of them are young men now um, and uh, have been here, excuse me, in Alaska now for going on five years. Um, you know, prior uh, experience in life, a, a retired naval aviator, and um, yeah, love love Alaska, and it is. Um, if you've never been here, uh, I recommend it. It is just a, a beautiful place, a wonderful place, and you have mountains. You've got fishing. Yeah, you, you know, five minutes from the water, fifteen minutes from the slope. You've got all kinds of wildlife. I, I live two miles from a glacier. Uh, so it is fantastic. I invite all your listeners uh, to come visit us at Faith Lutheran Church in Juneau. And, you know, with full disclosure, I do get paid uh, commission for every one of your listeners that will come up by the uh, Tourism Bureau. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> Well, you heard it here, folks. Now you're motivated, and he's motivated to have you come. Um, it's, uh, it sounds like heaven on earth, the way you're describing it. So. Uh, oh yeah. One question though. Yeah, I have one question with that is in Minnesota we have this book called How to Talk Minnesotan. Does Alaska have an equivalent how to talk Alaskan or do you not, or is that not an issue up there? Um there's only one uh grave uh, mistake you can make uh in Alaska and uh this is a pro tip. Um if you're ever in Alaska, we don't have snowmobiles. We have snow machines. So no yeah, if, if you get that yeah. right, uh, they'll think you're one of us. <laughs> so, Pastor, tell us a little bit about, I'm sorry, I tried to write this down, Alaska Mission for Christ. What is, tell us about that. <clears throat> yeah, Alaska Mission for Christ. Um, in fact, we're celebrating our 30th anniversary 
this year. We've been in Alaska. Uh, started off uh, with faithful pastors on the road system, uh, out, uh, you know, going to little villages, uh, doing vacation Bible schools. It's we we now uh, serve you know, over 40 communities, 40 villages. Um, with teams from the lower 48 uh, that come up and do various activities from vacation Bible schools to um, uh, work and witness uh, type events. Um, so we're, we encompass the whole state. Uh, I, I'm uh, kind of the representative in southeast Alaska uh, with, uh, you know, basically from Valdez in the north to Metlakatla uh, in the south. Um, you know, the Juno is, you know, very isolated. There are no roads there are, uh, that, that you can get here. You either take a boat up or fly in. And that obviously presents challenges in the mission work of how do you, uh, you know, cover an area the size of Tennessee uh, with no roads uh, to get around. So, it, you know, there are a lot of challenges, but, um, you know, in our and the one-year series last Sunday uh, preached on the parable of the sower, and it is a delight to uh, to sow the seed of the gospel here, there, and everywhere, despite the challenges. Uh, so it's a it is a blessing and a wonderful, um, you know, unique uh, mission and ministry uh, here in Alaska to many isolated uh, villages, and it's just a, a true blessing. Well, thanks be to God for that, and, and reminder to our listeners to pray for the Alaska Mission for Christ and, and Pastor Spratt as he continues to serve in this capacity. Now, this week we have Pastor Tyrell Bramwell on the program, and he, he claims, and I think he's right, in the lower 48, he is the most Western LCMS church. Now, for you in Juneau, you, you and I talked about a distinction that you think you have, at the church at Faith Lutheran in Juneau. What was that distinction that's probably unique to all of America? Yeah, and I don't want to steal Pastor Bramwell's thunder. I mean, it, it is true. And, and Alaska is still part of the United States. I have to remind Amazon and all of these other people that we are part of America. But I think uh, the distinction that we have, and I, I could be wrong, at least in the United States, uh, I believe we are the most isolated Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregation. We have the, the, the closest LCMS congregation to Faith Lutheran Church in Juneau is roughly 500 miles away. So, you know, we're, we're fairly isolated. I would imagine if you drew a 500-mile circle around Sartell, that probably half of our synod is in that circle. And um, so, yeah, it, it, it's isolated, uh, but we love it. Uh, and, and, yeah, so maybe if it, it, that's the distinction uh, that we have. Well, I, I'm sure Pastor Bramwell will not be offended um, or feel like his thunder was stolen whatsoever, but that makes circuit a whole lot different if you're 500 miles away from the nearest LCMS church. Do you, you must fly. If you have circuit meetings, you must fly there. Is that how that works? Uh, yeah, uh, for 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 uh, circuit business, yeah, it's a, it's a roughly hour and a half flight uh, up to Anchorage. So do spend a lot of time uh, in air travel, and you know we we uh, I guess we were utilizing Zoom before it was cool. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Pastor, thank you for the update on that, and and God's blessings to you as you uh, serve in the North, and it is part of America. You emphasize that, so we continue to keep you in our prayers. But today, we are going to be in God's Word. So if any of you have questions concerning our text um, today, Psalm 17, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. 
or call 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, as we begin our time, we'll begin by praying the psalm. That's an emphasis we've had here in Thy Strong Word, that you just don't read the psalm, but it's a, it's a prayer. It's, it's God's prayer book. And so as we do that, we will, I will read and pray Psalm 17 and then with the glory of pottery and then come back to hear some of your thoughts on this beloved psalm that we'll be studying today. So let us begin our time in prayer. Psalm 17, a prayer of David. Hear a just cause, O Lord Yahweh. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. You have tested me, and you will find nothing. I have purpose that my mouth will not transgress. With regard to the works of man, by the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior, of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me. They close their hearts to pity, and with their mouths they speak arrogantly. They have now surrounded our steps. They set their eyes to cast us to the ground. He's like a lion eager to tear is a young lion lurking in ambush. Arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him, deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword, from men by your hand, O Lord Yahweh, from men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure. They are satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their infants. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. Pastor, as we come to the Psalms, it is something we've asked all of our guests. Is it's, Psalms are such an important piece of the Christian life. So why are the Psalms important to the Christian, and also as we gather as the body of Christ in worship? Can you, if someone were to ask you that, What's up with the Psalms? What would you say? Well, the I would tell them the Psalms are a gift, uh, a, go a gift given to us by God. But with every good gift, uh, they're meant to be used. Uh, so the Psalter is given uh, to the church uh, to to be used as prayer. Uh, the devil, the, the, the devil doesn't want us to pray. The, the devil, um, you know, I, I've, I've heard criticism that, well, we, you know, I don't want to pray the Psalter because it, it's written, it's not heartfelt. And so the devil will use that to say, well, then you must do these ex corde prayers. It has to be from uh, your heart uh, and, and for it to be good. And then on, and on the other hand, right, the devil not wanting us to pray, um, we'll, we, we, we don't know how to pray. Uh, so uh, he, he wants us to be confused. He, does, he just doesn't want us to pray. So he'll say, well, the, you know, don't do the Psalter because it's, it's dead. And then when you go to pray, uh, you know, from your heart, he doesn't want you to pray because you don't know what to say. 
So the, the Psalms teach a Christian how to pray, uh, and they are this gift. Luther, uh, Luther says that the Psalms, uh, he views the Psalms as if they were written just for me. And it, when you think of it that way, that it, when we are familiar with the Psalter, uh, that we can use it as this gift in times of distress, uh, in the times that we rejoice, uh, in times that we are despairing, uh, the Psalter is, is there, and, and it is good, right, and salutary for us to have it on our lips, in our homes, and teach, uh, teach it to our children. Because it comprehends the complexity of the Christian life, uh, you know, from the, from the, the high peaks uh, of joy uh, to the low, you know, depths of woe. Um, but uh, and it also proclaims that this great Christian contentment uh, in all situations. So uh, the, the Psalter is a, a, a su- uh, just a wonderful uh, gift that God desires for us to use, and we can delight in it. And this is why I think Psalm 17 is so important to us, because like you said, there's, there's Psalms of Thanksgiving, and, 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 and we love those. I love those. But also, let's be honest, we're not always in the mountaintop, like you said. As, as our church and the three electionaries celebrating Transfiguration, we get a glimpse of kind of that mountaintop experience. But guess what? We have to live in the plain. And that actually works pretty well for you and Juno. The mountains are right there. Come back down to the, not even a plain, I suppose, but... But there we live in that life, and, and Psalm 17 encompasses kind of a time where we're not exactly sure what's happening for David at this time, but we definitely know that he's surrounded by evil, he's surrounded by enemies, and he's almost speaking kind of back and forth in ways we don't fully understand. So, so as we speak about what you just said, Psalm 17, do you have anything, how do you want to start us off as we look at this wonderful psalm, especially as we go through anxieties in this world? Yeah. So the psalm, this psalm from beginning to end deals with the concept of righteousness. Now, there's temptation to say, well, righteousness, that, that must be earned, that must be worked. And the righteousness that is referred to in, in Psalms and the righteousness that uh, David uh, claims as his own uh, obviously is not through his works. We know the life uh, of David and the grave and gross sins that he committed, yet with boldness and with faith, uh, he proclaims his righteousness in Jesus Christ. So this righteousness isn't, uh, isn't uh, earned through good works, but it speaks of the, uh, one's right relationship with God, right? That this is a, a, a declared righteousness, um, you know, uh, that, that, uh, that this, this, the, you know, the show is called Thy Strong Word. And, uh, you know, stanza three says, uh, Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous. This righteousness is a gift of God, a work of God for us. And so uh, Psalm 17 uh, deals with that righteousness. It deals with David in, in, with confidence uh, and boldness, petitioning God to uh, rescue him, to be with him, even, though, uh, even to test me, investigate me, uh, knowing that uh, the forgiveness of God is complete uh, and total, and he has nothing to fear. So it is really quite a striking uh, prayer of one who uh, has complete confidence and contentment in his God who is for him. And, and also striking is he, we have an anthropomorphic God. What does that mean? He describes a God with a face. 
He describes a God with hands. He describes a God with ears and eyes. And in Christ our Lord, we have God become man. So it is this beautiful compa- uh, confession of the incarnation uh, of our Lord. And yeah, so Psalm 17, uh, we can we can learn uh, a lot from it uh, in the fact of this is how Christians boldly bring their petitions to God. That, um, you know, David, as you mentioned, we don't know the circumstances of when this prayer is written. Uh, He could be off in a cave all by himself, but David is truly never alone, and he knows this. And so he knows that God will not abandon him. He will not leave him nor forsake him. So in these moments where everyone has abandoned him, he knows that God is still there and God is still for him. As we look at this this psalm, I really appreciate how you brought out the, the hands, the ears, the incarnational dynamic, that's how we can see Christ in this psalm, which is a, a, a theme that we have, as we know all of Scripture points us to Christ. But also, this prayer is our prayer, that when we are, are, are dealing with the struggles and the righteousness, you know, the, 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 we, we talk a lot about holiness as well in, in Psalm 15. And so this lines up a lot with that, that not only is he surrounded by enemies, but he also is, is searching for righteousness and trying to find that with the Lord. And that, that's our own battle. That's our own struggle. So I encourage our listeners to think through that as we go through these verses a little bit at a time. So, Pastor, let's begin um, by looking at the first two verses where he speaks of a word, and I want to hear your thoughts on it, vindication. Not something I usually use uh, all the time in my life, but what does it mean? So let us begin verses 1 and 2. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence, let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. So, Pastor, I'm going to ask this. I kind of put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, vindication. He says, let my vindication come. What is he what is he saying in these first two verses with, the, with that word specifically? Yeah, and, and I have to say, I love the way that you read that, because the psalm starts off with four exclamatory sentences. It shows the great intensity uh, of distress. It shows his great need uh, and his dependence upon God. And again, that, that confidence and that boldness to bring our petitions before the Lord. And that's right. He speaks of this vindication. Um, David knows that God will judge rightly. He doesn't have to fear. He's, he's not worried he's going to catch God on a bad day, uh, that he's not in the mood you know, for David's problems. So he invites our just God, uh, who, who uh, he trusts in, to, to, to make this right uh, decision. And so, yeah, it, it, it is a, a truly, um, you know, a profound thing to, to, to say, Lord, you know, I want you to judge. And, and in part of that coming to a right judgment is this invitation to investigate, right? Uh, he's going to get into these next verses talking about investigate me, right? Probe the depths of my heart. Uh, you will find sin, but you will also find your abundant forgiveness, this righteousness that you've, uh, you know, spoken over me. And so it is, it is uh, profound in, 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 in David's boldness. But yeah, it starts off with these just four, you know, um, uh, 
you know, compa- uh, you know, impassioned pleas uh, and cries for mercy, you know, saying, hear, attend, listen, give ear to what I'm about to say. And underneath that is the assurance that God will hear this, that God delights to hear the, the cries and the prayers of his children. Uh, so it really gives us great encouragement as Christians, to, to offer our prayers to God. He, he, he delights to hear all of these things that trouble us in body and soul. And so David, in, you know, in, in confident faith, says, Lord, you are the right judge, right? And I know you, you can make this better. So he offers it into the Lord's hands that, you know, effectively, Lord, let your will be done, right? That's what I want. I want your will to be done. And so he speaks with such a confidence, not of his own confidence, but knowing that, that he knows who God is. Like, he has a very clear confession of who the Lord is. By, but the language is so unique. Like, what I, what I like is when, in Scripture, it just kind of says, this is God, this is who he is. Okay, all right. And then this is what he's doing. Okay, good. You know, things like James is very clear. And the Gospels are pretty clear. Well, we get a very clear picture of this. But he's confessing who God is in a way that's not, real clear, but when you dig into it, just like you're doing, it's very helpful because if he's basically yelling or exclaiming very passionately, like you said, he has full confidence that God is hearing him. Um, He has full confidence that God's going to take care of him, and we can lose sight in that just trying to figure out the words, but those exclamation points tell us a lot about David in the midst of this. So any other thoughts on those first, first two verses before we get to the next few? I think it's important to, to, to denote, too, that, you know, that in one of the beauties of the Psalter, uh, we have these, these impassioned prayers like Psalm 17. Um, but also we have ones that are, you know, when the Christian is despairing and can, you know, they don't even have the, the energy to cry out. It's, it's merely a whimper. Right. But the Lord, even then, hears our prayer. It's not a matter of how loud can you pray, if you will. But the Lord hears all of our prayers, right? Knowing those things that we need, even those things that we don't ask for. So, um, you know, uh, find find delight uh, in this boldness here, but also take comfort in that uh, that even when we uh, are just eking out, just Lord have mercy. But to go to the Psalter and find those uh, those those prayers, uh, these these you know songs of praise, uh, these cries for help uh, that give us great comfort. So let's continue on that, you know, like you said, it doesn't matter how long we pray, but it's profound when we do, and the Lord hears and has compassion upon us. And so three through five brings, I mean, it's like a, it's almost like David is testing the Lord, but yet he's not. So I want want to hear your thoughts on this, because this is unique language, I would say, in Scripture, verses three through five. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. You have tested me, and you will find nothing. I have purpose that my mouth will not transgress. With regard to the works of man, by the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your path. My feet have not split. Now, at first reading of this, Pastor, I get a little bit like, what do you mean there, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing there's nothing there. You have tested me, but there's nothing. He's kind of acting like, yeah, you can try, Lord, but I'm sin- sinless. So what is David actually doing here after a first reading? 
yeah, that's a great point because, right, we, we say if, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us, right? Uh, you know, and in Psalm uh, 130, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? And you say, David, what are you, what are you saying? But as Psalm 130 continues, verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness, so this invitation of examination, that is a good thing that we should pray. Lord, shine the light of your word into our, our dark hearts. Show me my sin. I want to see my sin, right? Because the, 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 the law, right, when, when we see and we're, we're, we are shown the depths of our sin, we're always pointed to Christ and his forgiveness, like Psalm 130, you know, verse 4 says, uh, that there is always forgiveness waiting for us. So, yeah, it, it, David, it's really a confession of, Lord, I know that the, the forgiveness that you give me is complete and total. And we as baptized Christians, we have this very same forgiveness. We've been washed clean, right? Declared righteous, forgiven all our sins. So really, David, he's not, by no means is he looking to himself uh, as this, you know, uh, 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 purveyor of wicked and detestable sins. Uh, But it's with faith that he says, but your forgiveness, Lord, that is enough. Right. That is complete. That is perfect. So he invites this investigation. Right. This this, you know, this kind of one, the sanctifying you know, work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to probe, to visit, examine, test. Right. Uh, but knowing that, you know, with the confession, there is the absolution. So. Yeah, David's not looking to himself, and and he 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 makes this point about you know my steps uh, ha- have held fast on your paths, and you know yes, most certainly through the you know the valley of the shadow of death on this plane that you know that that we walk uh, in this life, but also in these you know up in the mountains uh, the mountains of life where you know just because we're up high doesn't mean it's great you know here in in Alaska. It's it's uh, kind of a pastime of people to, you know, take binoculars and look at these uh, dolls, sheep, you know, that these white uh, sheep that stand up on these these rock cliffs. And you think, how in the world did those things get up there? Right. I mean, it seems like it's a vertical cliff. And when we think of our Lord, even there, you know, even when it seems like there's death on one side, right, and hopelessness on the other, our Lord is there keeping our feet on that path that we will not slip, that he is with us always, even to the end of the age. So it is a great confession of most certainly in the day to day of life, but during trials, during temptations, our Lord is with us. And so, yeah, it, it is a, a, an interesting thing, too, and, and to highlight, um, he says, I, you visited me by night. And that's kind of an interesting thing. And, and it could be that David desires to be examined in isolation, right? Like, you know, uh, look, at, look at me, you know, look at, look at examine my heart. Because uh, I, I know that I have forgiveness. But it, this also, I think this would be a valuable prayer, Psalm 17, for us to have on our lips at the end of our lives. Right? It could be that he wants an examination at the end of one's life. That God's forgiveness uh, in Christ Jesus is complete uh, and total. 
and so it, uh, you know, this this is because uh, there's a great at the the end. Uh, there's this great confession about the resurrection. So this uh, the 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 meaning here by night and in isolation, but also yet at the end of our life, uh, we have nothing to fear uh, in our God because of His good forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And so I want to touch on that more on the other side of our break. We need to take our break. We are studying and praying Psalm 17 with Pastor Aaron Spratt, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 17 with Pastor Aaron Spratt of Faith Lutheran Church in Juneau, Alaska. And Pastor, like you said so well before our break, just that understanding of the highs and lows of life. And this psalm would be very appropriate for those who are at the end of their life, for them to look back knowing the grace of God and knowing that, yeah, we could spend all day looking at sins, but confidently knowing because of the grace of Christ, in, the grace of Christ and the forgiveness that He has, we can live confidently, knowing that it was all, um, well, I guess, carried by the grace of our Lord Jesus. Any, any other thoughts on that encouragement to our listeners as as we look at this psalm, especially these first five verses? Yeah, the, the that confidence that you speak of, as as we, uh, an, you know, approach the end of our life, uh, you know, we we take complete confidence in the forgiveness of Jesus, right? The devil would have you believe that his grace isn't sufficient, that his mercy isn't enough, that his forgiveness is, has fallen short. Now, we shouldn't try, but we can confidently say we can't out Jesus's forgiveness. In Psalm 23, it says, his cup overflows, this mercy is poured out. The devil would have us believe that there's some insufficiency in our Lord's uh, forgiveness. And this is a great confession for us, a great prayer for us uh, as we um, are, are on our deathbeds. Uh, you know, there, there is no truth. The devil's not going to say, well, you know, you're dying. I'm not going to attack you. You know, this, that wouldn't be fair. That's when he's going to be attacking his fiercest. So we take these times now to, to read, mark, learn, to memorize these prayers, uh, to have on our lips uh, that our loved ones reading to us, giving us that sure confidence, even as we approach uh, death. Uh, and, and we can confidently approach death saying, this isn't it, right? I'm going to paradise. Jesus is with me. And he has defeated death. So these are, these are useful for us and just such a blessing. Let's continue on to the next two verses where he, he kind of, you know, he says, hey, 
check me out head to toe. Let's do this confidently, which is something that we often don't like in our world. But then he, he says, he goes back to him again and asks for answers. Verses six and seven. I call upon you for you will answer me. O God, incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior, of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. So he goes, you know, investigate me. Now he says, I call upon you. How about you listen to me? What's, what's David doing in these two verses? Yeah, um, it's really interesting. The, 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 in the Navy, right, I was a, a naval aviator, a pilot. And we had in these manuals, you know, there was a stark difference between uh, something that you should do and something that you shall do, right? If you should do it, it's highly recommended. If you shall do it, you must do that. That's like the difference here between will answer or might answer, right? The devil wants you to to see that as uh, perhaps some uncertainty that God won't hear your prayer, but what does he say there? I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. And it, David's not saying because, uh, you know, look at me, but because of who you have said that you are, who you've revealed yourself uh, in Scripture, a God that looks upon us, that hears our prayers, that delights uh, to love us. And his ear, as he says here, it is inclined to me. Right. It, it is turned towards right uh, tuned in to hear our cries uh, for help. So, um, you know, the, the, David is praying uh, with great hope, not that, you know, God isn't listening to him. And he must now, you know, with these four exclamation sentences at the beginning, must like get God's attention. Right. He's not praying that you would now protect me, but he's confessing God is already protecting me. He's already listening to me. His ear is inclined to turn towards me. And so, um, you know, it, the, 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 the certainty there that, that really strengthens our faith and invites us to pray, uh, you know, in, in verse six, we should take that to heart because God will hear us. Uh, he will answer us according to his merit, according to his goodness. So we can pray knowing that God's ear is, is attuned to hear our voice amongst, you know, all these other voices, whether that be this shout or whether that be this, this whimper and this small cry, Lord, help me. So, yeah, it, it, this, is, uh, this is fantastic. And, you know, David, he, he points back to kind of the whole thing here, right? Your steadfast love. Right. This is a, an enduring love that endures all things, an eternal love, not earned, not merited, but freely given. And the implication is that uh, the steadfast love of the Lord is in action. It's doing things for David. Uh, you know, Luther calls God steadfast love. He says this is God's goodness in action. Right. This is like the for you of the gospel. God's continued work, continued blessing, continued protection, right? We, we can't forget the context here. David's crying out like, I am surrounded, right? Um, you know, it seems like we're, uh, you know, the whole, the whole group uh, of enemies is out there, and he needs a savior and a deliverer, and he only looks to God. Uh, he only says, right, my hope is, is, is in my God for me, and he will, he's the one that I, that I seek refuge in. 
And I know that uh, you spent some time, I think it was yesterday, talking about, uh, you know, this refuge, uh, this, this, you know, if you will, this sanctuary. Um, and it's important to, to understand, you know, the, if we're using the refuge, you know, or, or if you will, refugee type imagery here, that David's going to God with nothing to offer, Right? He isn't seeking, like, hey, God, you and me, let's build this coalition. Let's form a counterattack. Right? He doesn't say, all right, let's, let's get some kind of political alliance here, uh, you and me. He only goes to him with nothing to offer, seeking help and comfort, trusting in the benevolence that is God's goodwill towards him, God's compassion towards him. And so God is that only source of help and comfort. And this psalm teaches us and reminds us of that and encourages us that our God is a saving God, a God who has steadfast love, uh, that our adversaries uh, are going to be put away. And uh, I I think, you know, for us who are in this daily battle, you know, again, the devil would have you believe that there isn't a battle waging. It's like, no, you know, uh, why do you need, the, you know, the armor of God? Why do you need the armor of God? There's no battle. Take it all off. It's uncomfortable. It's, you know, it, it's hot. Um, I, I, uh, at one point in my military career, I was sent off to Africa, and they sent us through Army combat training. And... We had to wear, for the first time, I, you know, I'm, I'm used to flying airplanes. I've got to wear body armor, carry a gun, have a helmet on, knee pads, you know, and this is in South Carolina in the middle of the summer, and it's hot, and you, you know, but these things will save your life, right? And when you realize you are in the battle, why would you take off? Why would you discard those things that God gives you? So this is a reminder, there's a war waging, but we're not... We're not uh, we have a God who fights for us, so we have nothing to fear. Uh, But, yeah, we we should we should take great comfort, but also recognize that the devil is out there. And as we'll get to later, prowling like this lion. That's a great reminder for us, because it's the devil who is whispering, you don't really need to wear that. You don't need to do this. You know, is God really going to help you? And David, you can tell that he is definitely fighting. There's anguish internally. There's probably anguish surrounding him. And it reminds me of lamentations, like you like you had mentioned, uh, the steadfast love. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, Lamentations 3.22. His mercies are never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But these are not just words of, um, how do you say it? It's kind of nice to sing in a hymn, like, great is thy faithfulness in our, in our Lutheran uh, service book. But it's said at a time where it should be a fight or flight mentality that, that, that David has. But what does he do? He's so confident in the Lord and yet in anguish that he is able to pray this um, during that time where we want to bring our own strength or our own plans when he's asking for the Lord to intervene. And, and well, and, and the Lord does. I mean, he's very confident in that as well. So now I'm just trying to think of... Uh, it's hard for me to think right now, Pastor, besides uh, uh, the Tom Cruise movie. What was that Tom Cruise movie, The Naval Pilot? What was that movie? Oh uh, we're aviators, Gun, right? Gun. We're like pilots, yeah. but better, but Top Gun, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Sorry, that just keeps popping my mind as you talk about it. So I'm going to refocus now back to the steadfast love of the Lord. In verses 6 and 7, 
he confidently prays to the Lord. Anything else you have on these verses, Pastor? Yeah, and and you, and you brought up a good point. Like these aren't hollow words, like just a little ditty that we sing in a hymn. Um, these words uh, have meaning. These words have depth and reality. Um, you know, the the saving work uh, of 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 Christ on the cross is real and for you, and the forgiveness that He offers you is real. And so these, you know, we're not we're not. Um, you know, uh, you, like a cross-stitched theology or something, just a little, you put it, you know, you, you, you have this thing stitched onto a wall and framed out uh, just to look at, uh, but God's Word is to be used, and God's Word uh, tells us of the, the you know, this, this, if you will, bloody reality, this real saving work, this real steadfast love demonstrated, shown for you on the cross. And so, yeah, these, are, these, are, these words have depth. So, Pastor, uh, let's continue on. Verses 8 and 9, and he continues with prayer, and he uses language that we'll often use. You know, apple of your eye, shadow of your wings. We'll sing these songs, and we will say these words. What do they really mean? Verses 8 and 9. Keep us as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me. Here, I think he kind of he does make a transition of asking for something else. What is he asking for in these verses? Yeah, he's he's uh, here asking for protection, right? This this apple of your eye, um, really, it comes from this Hebrew expression, which literally means "keep me as the little man of the eye." And you can say, "What in the world does that mean?" Think of uh, think of. Uh, when, when uh, you know, when your child, uh, you know, when they're they're young and infant, and you're watching over them, if you could look closely at the mother's or the father's eye, you would see a little image uh, of that child. Uh, this is showing that. Our God is looking on us with, uh, you know, uh, pr- protection, keeping us safe, that his eyes are tuned to, to watch over us. And so this, this apple of the eye, it is kind of a, a you know, a phrase that we use. It, it, it most certainly is an expression of, uh, of benevolence and love. Right and compassion, but it, here this little man of the eye shows that God is, um, you know, uh, watching closely. That we are cherished by God, gazed upon uh, with, with, you know, with the sense here of Him watching over uh, and protecting us. And then He talks about this, you know, uh, gives the imagery um, in the shadow of your wings. Right, that this is a place of protection. I'm reminded, you know, uh, I, f- I flew logistics all over the world. That's cargo uh, for the United States Navy. And we went to, uh, you know, just exotic places here, there, and everywhere. And oftentimes uh, during my career, we would end up in, in very hot and dusty environment, foreign environments. And, you know, hurry up and wait. So you, you rush to get there, you offload the cargo, and then you have to wait for something. And in that waiting, right, in, this, in this, these places that are hot, dusty, uh, windy, oftentimes we would seek shelter under the wings of the airplane. It provided us protection from, you know, the dust and, and the wind, and, but most certainly the heat. Uh, other times when we're off in tropical locations, guarding us from the downpours and the rain, but it was a place you sought for protection. 
to, to effectively hide under. And so Jesus here talking about giving us that imagery of a mother bird shielding, protecting her beloved chicks from all enemies, right? On guard, looking out, keeping uh, uh, her, 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 her beloved chicks safe. And David's confessing that one can only find true protection from all of our enemies under the wings, that is, under the arms of God. And in Christ, we have this image on the cross, his arms stretched out, that we Christians hide under his uh, forgiving arms, his life-giving arms, right? The, 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 the arms that make us righteous, that has cleansed us, uh, that truly protects us from you know, sin, death, and the devil. Uh, and so that's where we are uh, as uh, under the wings uh, of Christ on the cross, under his arms, is the place of true protection, as David prays for here. And so to look at that, it, it brings up a lot of imagery. Uh, Luke 13, you know, oh, I would have you uh, come to like a mother, uh, mother hen protecting her chicks, is, is that reminder that for whatever reason, that people will leave that protection. But David doesn't deny the reality of that protection always being there. And that's something that I'm finding in a lot of these Psalms is just that constant, steadfast protection from the Lord that is always there, that he's always there uh, at our right hand. And that was language that we've seen in the Psalms thus far. And that's the language that is used in here too, that he's asking for this, even though he confidently knows it is there, and that's the same thing in our prayers, that we ask for something we know is there, and we see this in petitions as well, you know, thy will be done. We know the will of God done without our prayer, but we pray it may be done among us here and now, basically. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's this great prayer and confession at the same time. Other thoughts you have on the first, well, basically the first nine verses to this one? Yeah, and that's a great point, that the benefits of praying the Psalter, that they do remind us of things that we need. We most certainly need protection. Now, we're prone to forget these things. We're prone to, you know, we, we all have spiritual amnesia, you know, where we forget God's promises. We forget our great need of these things. And these Psalms remind us of those things. That's why we're continually in God's word as to not forget and to treasure these promises, uh, to treasure who our God is for us. Uh, and that's a great point that these keep us focused, teach us how to pray, remind us of the things that we need. Because a lot of people have said, Pastor, I really don't know how to pray. And, and, you know, there is a place for ex corde prayer. It's, it's great. It's, you know, out of, you know, just on the spot. Hey, somebody's having, you know, going through a hard time. It's good to, to, to be able to pray. And these teach us what are the things that we need? What are the petitions that we bring before our God? What, how, what do we recognize who he is the, and who he is for us that we may bring these things to him? So it is a great reminder of the things that we need and, and how we can most certainly pray for ourselves uh, and for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, let's keep moving forward, verses 10 through 12. They close their hearts to pity. With their mouths they speak arrogantly. They have now surrounded our steps. They set their eyes to cast us to the ground. He is like a lion eager to tear, as a young lion lurking in ambush. So he's speaking about they and he. Do you, 
what do you find on who are these individuals that he's speaking about? He kind of jumps around, I feel like. And this is one of those where you're like, wait, what are you talking about? Any thoughts? Yeah, uh, you know, most certainly there are real physical enemies of David. We know this, you know, uh, Saul trying to kill him. Uh, so, you know, the, 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 the hordes of, uh, of his soldiers that are seeking to, to find David so that they may arrest and kill him, most certainly has these physical enemies, and we all do, but also these spiritual enemies, right? Uh, the, the enemies that uh, the, the devil and his demons even David's own sinful flesh that has him surrounded. Uh, so, you know, and the, the surrounding uh, should not be ignored. Uh, the surrounding, you know, the, the, the Christian life is like that of, of uh, you know, inhabiting a city that's under siege. And I don't know if the listeners know what a siege was like this long form warfare where effectively the enemies would surround this walled city, cut off all the supplies, oftentimes divert rivers, right, so that they have no water, no food, uh, and they would have it surrounded and the people would look out on this every day. And the, 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 the sieging army said, we have all the time in the world, right? Um, it, the, we can kind of get the image, if any of the listeners have ever watched Lord of the Rings, and there's this battle of Helm's Deep, where they are surrounded by all of these ugly, you know, uh, orcs and, 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 you know, just terrible looking people, and it seems hopeless. Well, we too are like, uh, we're not hopeless, but we are in this, this city, and if you let your eyes, you know, uh, inform what's going on, it does seem hopeless, that we are surrounded by you know, the devil and, and his army, his horde of, uh, of ghoulish warriors and our sinful flesh that seeks to tempt us. Right. Um, but but we know that we are in a mighty fortress. Right. We are in a mighty fortress who is our God. He's out there, you know, that we are surrounded by our, 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 our evil foes, but his arms are in fight. Right. That we have a God who fights for us. You know? But the devil's tempting He's saying, come out, right? It's much better out here, right? We've got better food. We've got better water. You know, it's safe, I promise you. But, uh, you know, but we stay where uh, we have, you know, uh, where we're fed the spiritual food of the Lord's Supper, where we are, you know, uh, drinking in the, the living waters uh, 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 that the psalmist uh, speaks of, uh, of our God and his word. Uh, so, you know, the, the imagery may be if we if we you know, I always say Christians interpret the world with their ears. That's how we look at the world through our ears. Right. Because if you look at it with your eyes, you'd say it seems hopeless. But when we look at it through our ears and remember the promises of God, right, we have all hope. We have all joy uh, that we are not tempted to, to despair. So it is a uh, this surrounding um, it may appear that that, uh, you know, the gig is up. You know, what are we going to do? But as we're going to get to in the following verses, we have a God who fights for us, who, who is in between us and our enemies, right? And that is Christ Jesus. That's who David is looking to for his hope, this Messiah, this Savior that will come. But yeah, there, you know, the lion, the lion, it's lurking out there. You know, uh, St. Peter says, you know, the devil is like a prowling lion. And Moses records in Genesis that sin is crouching, you know, God says to, to uh, Cain, sin is crouching at the door, so we're fighting against the devil, uh, our sinful flesh, and the world of, of these physical enemies and, and physical persecution, 
right? But we are in this mighty fortress. And, and like what David says here, they can have us surrounded. That's fine, right? Because our God is fighting for us, and we know the ultimate victory on the last day, uh, as he's going to get into in the following verses, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. So, it, yeah, it is these, uh, you know, these lions. It, it is a great um, reminder that the devil is out there lurking with his, with, with, with his demons. They're eager to tear Right. And so um, we're prone to to be enticed to get close to the lion. Right. Not to avoid to say, well, it's not that bad. You know, he promises he won't bite me. Right. But, uh, you know, and, and it, but they're lurking in ambush. And, and so, you know, we come to church on Sundays bearing these bite marks of, of giving into these temptations. And our Lord applies the healing balm of his word and his sacraments. Uh, again and again. So we pray that, um, you know, that we would, uh, as St. Peter says, be sober-minded and watchful uh, and pray that the Lord help, uh, help us to resist these temptations to want to go and, and, and play or pet these, these lions that seek to kill us. Well, let's finish out our text. We have about three minutes left in our time. Arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him. Deliver my soul from the, the wicked of your sword. For men by your hand, O Lord, for men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure. They are satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their infants. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. So he requests the Lord to fight, and he has confidence that he will. He shows the reality of the evil that surrounds him at the end. He ends with this satisfaction, the satisfaction not in things or whatever it might be, but the satisfaction of knowing that he beholds the face of the Lord who is gracious and, 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 and right towards him. So, Pastor, how would you summarize those last few verses? I mean, it's like a battle. I mean, it's wonderful, and a battle and a comfort at the end. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it is. It, again, with confidence, he's saying, arise, O Lord, right? Uh, David isn't saying, like, I'm commanding the Lord. I know this is what God does for me. This is what he, this is who God is for me. And he's going to confront, that is, uh, you know, the, the verb implies putting oneself in between, right? He will confront him. He will subdue him. And, uh, you know, and he's going to do this by the sword, Right. Uh, the, the sword of his word, if you if you want to, you know, go that aspect of it, uh, that God uh, uses his word, not only, you know, if we're looking at our enemies of, of sin, uh, you know, our sinful flesh, the devil and the world, you know, he's using the word of his law to convict us of our sin. But he's also using the gospel to slay our enemies where he crushes the head of the serpent. Right, crushes the head of the devil uh, through Christ our Lord. So yeah, the, the imagery of him out there fighting, this a- ongoing activity, right? The devil would want you to think, no, your God is sleeping, he, you know, don't bother him, he won't do anything for you, maybe he'll get up and fight. And David's like, no, he's already fighting for me. He's already confronting my enemies. They have been subdued in Christ Jesus. And so, yeah, he, he, he finishes this, this whole thing off very much like Job. Right, that I know my Redeemer lives. I'm going to see him with my own eyes in the flesh. 
And so uh, there's this great hope of the resurrection just dripping through these fi- this final verse uh, that, um, you know, David uh, says, you know, even if, you know, say, say that Saul gets me, you know, that he captures me, right, and maybe puts me to death. I don't have to fear anything because death doesn't have any power over me. I'm going to see. I will awake. And I will be satisfied in your likeness, right? That is, you know, feasting his eyes uh, upon his Lord uh, face to face. And we have that same hope, right? That we, like David, we are waiting for the Lord's return. And even though we die, right, we are simply laid to rest like a, 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 a napping child, right? Putting them to sleep, knowing that we will be called out of the grave on the last day where God will say, come out. Right. And we will rejoice uh, in the seeing our Lord with our own eyes. Pastor Aaron Spratt of Faith Lutheran Church in Juneau, Alaska, giving us God's wrong word through prayer and study of Psalm 17. Pastor Spratt, thank you for bringing us his gift. Thank you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.